There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's time for questions slash opinions from the audience. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside the great Gangster Pete. Gangster Pete, hello again, everybody. Hi. Uh, Gangster Pete, uh, we actually have questions directed to you this week. Oh, wow. Fun. People like when you're on questions slash opinions from the audience. I enjoy it. It's a good time. Um, I, I'm trying, I, maybe I need, maybe here, I'm, I'm going to ask a question of the audience or you, uh, if we should rename it. Cause I want people to not just feel like they have to send a question in that they can just like pop off about anything and we'll read it most likely, uh, team McKernan at inside STL.com. Um, because questions from the audience, of course, implies that you have to have a question, but if you just have a take fire it off and you're in a great spot because if you want to remain anonymous, kind of like social media, you can sans da- dog avatar. And some people might go, yeah, but then you'll see my email address, Tim. But most <laughs> of the time when people want to, like, cheap shot somebody, they create a burner email account. So create your burner email account and fire off the shot if you want. Whatever. I want to encourage this. Everything is welcome. The negative, the positive, the creepy, whatever. Everything is welcome on questions slash opinions from the audience. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Tim McKernan, Gangster Pete, with you on the program. Gangster Pete, do you have any ideas for renaming the show? Should the show be renamed? If so, do you have an idea? Not a new idea off the top of my head, but I, I like the idea of renaming it, and uh, yeah. I, I love playing the naming game, so I'll start thinking about it. I don't, I don't have a good answer. Questions slash opinions. I mean, it's just a lot there. So uh, you are welcome to uh, send that in at McKernan at InsideSTL.com. As well as a number, we have a bunch of emails, some that I didn't get to, some that are brand new, uh, and some questions on the fan page. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, And uh, so far on the Tim McKernan Show with all the interviews, which are presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, we have had Jack Flaherty, we have had Paul Goldschmidt, we have had Dylan Carlson, and this week we have Harrison Bader. And I can tell our audience this, because I know a number of members of the audience have been wondering about this. John Mazalek and I talked on Saturday over at Roger Dean Stadium, and he said he will be doing our annual end of spring training wrap-up interview. Nice. Um, so that, that is, uh, that's coming up uh, as well. So anyway, uh, we have all of that. I've spoken with Yadier Molina about being on the program. Wow. Yeah, he said, uh, yeah, that might work. No promises, though. So I feel like that's a good answer, by the way. That, if that I'm almost sounds like a yes. <laughs> yeah, because 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 it, it, it certainly it, it, he I he he can't say you know I can't say well you said you were going to do it and he'll say but I said no promises so he didn't shoot it down but he he gives himself a large out of no promises I think that's the right way to handle it and he's he's never it. had a problem saying no so I Correct. mean leaving the door open is a huge huge deal I think Correct so I I really want to do that one I want to do that one like Wainwright's always a great interview but I don't really know I mean I'm sure inevitably we'll wind up getting onto something that he'll be just he'll be firing and and he'll be I just don't know what direction to go with Molina I can kind of go 
there's a lot there. Like, I feel like we learned a lot about him that we didn't know when Benji Molina was on with us during the playoffs. Remember that interview? Yeah. On, on TMA? Um, so if I do have something with Yadier, I want to re-listen to that interview and, and make sure that I don't miss anything because there were some things in there that were just incredible uh, as far as kind of detailing how and why he is the way he is competitively. Um, but I really hope that I, – I, and I, I listen, I want to make this clear. I'm, I'm putting it at about 24% as far as uh, what the odds are that it happens. But just because I can't get over there when I'm doing TMA, unless we would just have an understanding that one day I might be uh, I might be late for the radio show or have to leave early from the radio show, whatever it would be, in order to do the interview. I'm sure nobody would have a problem with that. But uh, the clubhouse is open like at 8.30 Eastern time, and obviously TMA is on at the time. So I go over there on Saturdays. And that's when I try to do all of these things. So anyway, John Mazalak will be coming up, at least I'm told. And Yadier Molina uh, is at least a possibility. In addition to Flaherty, Goldschmidt, Carlson, Harrison Bader, and uh, soon-to-be-released Tommy Edmond. All of those here on the Tim McKernan Show. Those are presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He is online at evergreenstl.com. My goodness. As Gangster Pete and I are recording this, the market opened up and dropped 2,000 points. To the point that they had to shut things down. Uh, now it has rebounded. Bottom line is volatility. Even if you didn't have a volatile market, uh, you want to have somebody. But uh, at this moment in American financial history, global financial history, it is even more important. Mark Hanna is the person I recommend to our audience online at evergreenstl.com. Or, if you would like, by giving him a call, the number is 314-889-0503. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl. Com, Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies telling you, especially around tax time, you want to make sure you have somebody. And then in addition to that, especially at this particular moment in financial history, you want to have somebody. Mark Hanna works with everyday people every day. Go online at evergreenstl.com and make the move to have Mark Hanna be your financial advisor. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth, Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. Dot com. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. The interest rates, in part because of what we just talked about, are at an absolute all-time low. An all-time low. I actually uh, emailed uh, some people and I said, hey, what are you guys doing about you know refinancing at this point? Because I think you kind of got to look at it. They're like, oh my gosh, you absolutely have to. Even if you have a rate in the threes, you have to. You got to take advantage of this. This is... This is this is historic. I mean, it is. It's you know you hear we've heard it for a few years. Like rates are at an all time low, so it, it kind of becomes white noise. And you're just like, okay, now at this point, people are just saying it. No, this is really it. Rates are an all time low. You can lock in in the twos. Our parents would laugh at that, Pete, when they were like in the the teens and twenties <laughs> back in the day. But uh, that is that is where it is. Capitalize on it. Capitalize on it. Go to thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly can lock you in in the twos. Purchase power at an all-time high. And if you want to refinance, man, is this the time to do it. There's, there's never been a better time. The home Because home, it's not like home values are dropping. Home values are high. Interest rates are low. It is the absolute perfect storm. Go online at thehomeloanexpert.com. All right, we have questions. We have questions. Uh, let's see. I, I said, Gangster Pete, there was a question for you. This one is on the fan page. It comes from Timmy Recaps. Question for both Gangster Pete and Tim. Pete has mentioned being a longtime listener of TMA. 
in the similar iterations of the show prior to TMA, that being the morning grind. Tim, Doug, the cat, Plowsy, Iggy, and nearly every other person to speak into a microphone on TMA has described AM radio as being a tough, tough way to make a living based on money alone, not to mention the weird drama that surrounds the business, the politicking, strange hours, pressure to produce three hours of content each morning, etc. Pete, was there any apprehension going to work for Inside STL knowing all this sort of shit as a longtime listener? <laughs> Gangster Pete, this is going to be interesting to see how you handle this. You're kind of you're kind of being put to the test. All right. Well, there's a lot of details about stuff that I can't go into. Gangster Pete to. showing why Gangster Pete is an intelligent man. That is the right answer right out of the gate, even though you're going to upset people in the audience by not giving them the blood. <laughs> I, have, I mean, I've had a job where I was paid well but didn't enjoy what I was doing. So after going through that, I was interested in an opportunity where I could do something that I knew that I was going to have fun doing every day, even though I knew that the money would be less at the beginning. So I'm super stoked that I took the job. I've had a great time. I've learned a lot. And then uh, also when I took it, yeah, there's the apprehension because it was an industry that I had never worked in before. And I didn't know where all of the revenue streams may come from. So uh, I was kind of betting on myself and a product that I believe in because I feel like there are opportunities to make more money than just what a producer would make. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, definitely apprehension, hap uh, definitely apprehensive about it, but uh, also happy that I've had this experience and uh, hopeful that there's still an opportunity to turn it into something bigger. Uh, and then there's a follow-up question uh, to me. What was the pitch to sell Gangster Pete on the job? And this is what I say, and I still say to anybody who is considering getting into it. I always have the caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware. This is, you know, it's, it's, we talked about volatility with the market. It's a volatile industry. You know, even though the show is six, almost 16 years old, um, it's, it's been a lot of work to keep it together. That's, that's where the work has gone in. Um, and, uh, and I'm not talking about just like navigating whatever the right term would be. Scandals would be overstating it. But navigating strange things, I guess, would probably be a good way to describe it. Um, it it's, it's generating revenue. When we were in control of, uh, of the sales, which we were from 2010 through 2016, and we were successful. And I will always be proud of that. And, uh, and, and what we were able to do was bring people in who wanted to be a part of it and uh and we're passionate about inside stl the show whatever the case might be so we were able to get some good people in and i i have had it a little bit um not much i feel like inevitably i will have it i just because i just this this isn't going to last so um it's just it's it's, it's, it's going to be different no matter what whenever i'm doing something new and different um and by that i mean i i just can't imagine feeling the way that I feel that I think everybody on the show feels um, like on Sunday night. And that's the thing I always say. You can't put a dollar of value on lying in bed on Sunday night and not dreading the next five days or looking forward to them. Um, and since I've only had a limited amount of experience with what I think most people experience, which is dreading the next five days or on Wednesday dying for Friday at five o'clock or something along those lines, whenever one's work week ends. Um, 
I try. It's one of those things. It's like, which I, which I'm very cautious to say to new parents because I never, I didn't, I didn't really like it when people were saying it to me when our son was born. Which is, well, enjoy it because they grow up fast. Which is kind of like, well, savor. But there's nothing you can do. You can't like savor. All you can maybe tell yourself when it's over is, oh, I was aware of it and I didn't take it for granted. And I have not taken this for granted for a long time now. But part of that was because it was taken away in 2006 and 2007 when Joe was producer. Joe was fired. Martin quit. The cat was fired, and and we had a really difficult run for, you know, I don't know, about a year, I guess. Um, and that was tough. And the show and the show was difficult to do. And what that did was it opened my eyes up to the talent around uh, and how not everybody can do it play kind of like fast so to speak and by that I mean quick senses of humor and opinions which uh, Martin and the cat and producer Joe had when we were doing that thing in 2006 and now it's going on with with the group that we have uh, now with Pete Iggy and the Plowhawk and Doug and the cat um, so you, there's an appreciation then but also just like just like when when I'm in Jupiter but this is before you know um, this is a long, even a long time ago, like even seven years ago, I feel like it was right in 13 or 12, something like that. And I'm driving to the ballpark and I'm going, at some point, what we're doing and we now like almost take for granted because we've done seven or eight years, we won't have it. It'll be different. February will roll around and I'll be like, man, we used to be down there doing our show and the Cardinals would like kind of go out of their—I don't want to say go out of their way—but they would they would work with us to have it be a tradition. And at some point, that's going to come to an end. Who knows? It might have been this 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 year. Might have been the last year. Um, I don't know. And and no matter what, that is going to—I I think I'll have like a nostalgic, you know. I don't I don't know if nostalgia is sadness. It's just like kind of like a you miss it. Um, and and I know that will happen. And, and I guess I'm preparing myself for it more now than I have been, you know, in recent years because I know. Um, so I've just, I've just been more grateful, I suppose, I guess, because I know it's going to, to, you know, at some point change. But the thing that I, that I said, I know I said to Pete, I remember our, uh, at least one lunch at Bricktops. That's my go-to because I was a big fan of the Good group stuff. there, but I think they took it off the menu. Um, and, uh, and just BSing. And that's what I say to people is, you know, you can't put a dollar value on doing something you enjoy and then also not dreading going to work. Um, it's just that there's something to be said for it. It's like, you try to, to quantify things. It's not as simple as dollars to, um, what you are actually buying. Perhaps sometimes it's dollars that you're also getting away from some, some things. You know, I, I make this reference quite often. We have Cardinal discussions. One of my favorite Cardinal trades of all time was the John Lackey trade, not because of John Lackey, but because the Cardinals unloaded an, app, an asset that was crashing in Alan Craig. An unfortunate thing. It's not Alan Craig's fault. It just he was hurt and he was a disaster and they had and they were able to unload that. And that sometimes the addition by subtraction is greater than what is the tangible addition by addition. And so it's, so it's a weird way to kind of think of things. Um, certainly some of the stuff that we deal with um, is, is not pleasant. Um, no question about that. It's really, really, actually really, really unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, 
And it's one of those things. And I don't know if the, I don't know if the stories will ever be told. I really don't. I don't know if they will. Um, and, I, and even if they are told by that time, it, it'll probably be like people are like, oh, yeah, I remember that show. I don't fucking care, though. I mean, that was like 20 years ago. Who cares? You know, and oh, wow. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, or I think people think it's unbelievable. Like they, they won't believe it. Like we're making it up. I don't know. I'd like to think people would believe it. But I mean, it, it, it's it just it's 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 not it, it, some of that stuff. And people have no idea. But um, <laughs> the goal has always been to try to keep it together. And, you know, um, and we've been able to do that for 16 years. And I think that everybody on the show enjoys it. And so knowing Pete was a uh, guy who had gotten his MBA, I knew with Pete more so, well, only he's the only case in, in all the years of the show where I'm like, this is a business hire. This isn't about somebody who can, like, book guests because we have found that the guest thing just isn't really, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I realize it's kind of a staple in most sports talk radio, but it's not our show. Um, we don't need them, and it's, I think, sometimes kind of puts the show at a, a grinding halt unless you have, like, the Blues going on their run or the Cardinals in a run or some huge sports story, you know, we get people on. But otherwise, it's not what we do. And so... I sold it to Pete, but I'm selling it to Pete makes it sound like I was like recruiting him and bullshitting him. And I don't know why I'm talking about you in third person right now when you're, <laughs> when, you're, when, you're when you're there. But uh, well, I wanted it also, so it wasn't like a huge right. Sell job. It, it, but I mean, and you did, and you to your credit, you did with the merchandise. And still, I don't know what's going to I mean. There's, you know, what we have with the uh, the family interviews, um, which I believe we now have a name. Um, well, I know we have a name. Um, and how we're going to proceed with that? There's just there's so many moving parts. Um, that, that's all I can say. There's just so many moving parts. But I view Pete as um, is not somebody who I'm just like okay, if you know, radio, podcast, whatever. That's what he's limited to. I view Pete uh, as somebody who would be more in a uh, management kind of role than in a radio producer. In other words, I think you are overqualified. Uh, and underutilized for what I think your ability is. And I know that's what you're holding on to. Um, you know, I want to be used. You want to be, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I, I said the same thing about uh, John Seymour, as a matter of fact. That that wasn't business so much as he's just a, he was a great radio producer. But his radio producing ability, it was like, it, it'd be like having, I don't know, I don't know who would be an X's and O's person, so to speak, in sports, if anybody wants to come up with a one that just strikes you right away. And then all of a sudden now you're coaching a group of guys who, who win, but win by having no, like playing pickup ball, you know. Uh, it would drive that coach up the wall. Not that Seymour was driven up the wall by it, but that, you know, I mean, it's just like, yeah, we know you can book great guests. We know you can put together great segments and production, but it's not what we do. And so... You know, he would be great on a uh, like a Frank Cusimano kind of show, for example. Not that Brian Hoffman isn't great. I think the world of Hoffman, but that that type of of show because that's what his strength was. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I it's uh, it, you know, Pete Pete's a very sharp guy, and we're just in a in a in a unique uh, position, I guess would be the best way to describe it. And it it has been that way for a while, and we will. Uh, we, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. As well. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do we wrap this up? <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, I mean, I really, because the honest answer is I don't know. The, the thing is, the family interview thing is something that is, um, 
you know, it's funny because this show is 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 its birthplace, is where it was conceived, and we'll always have that audio, no matter whatever it winds up turning into, or by backed into it, and uh, the number of people who want to invest in it and do all these things with it, which is great. I mean, it's super cool. Uh, it's always flattering, and it, it doesn't matter whatever the circumstance. Anybody, anytime, anybody, whether it's you know a couple thousand dollars or six figures or seven figures they want to they believe in you or an idea enough that they want to invest that is a hell of a compliment um and considering that this thing is i don't know the idea was born on a questions from the audience podcast i think in november i think if it wasn't november it was december um and you know if i if i were in st louis right now we'd be doing them man i don't know what do you think three or four a week yeah easy yeah, and and I know. I mean, that we have a bunch like stored up for when I get back, whenever that is. Uh, I guess at the latest, like April fifteenth, um, that we'll be doing them, and we'll be, and, and I'm telling you, and I'll say this right here and right now for for we're targeting Mother's Day and Father's Day. That is going to be a thing to ramp up. Uh, so if you do want to get uh, on the schedule, email me, tmcurnan at insidestl.com, um, and uh, and we'll set it up. But I think we'll probably be building a website here and and looking at doing some things with it um so anyway uh t mckernan inside stl.com if you're interested in that and that's something that pete would certainly be uh be a very key part of all right uh let's see what's one book you've read recently that's had the most impact on your life and why gangster pete one book you have read recently that's had the biggest impact on your life and why i'll go with uh the book I enjoyed the most recently was uh, When the Game Was Ours. It's uh, by Jackie McMullen, and it's about uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, kind of how they be- they start fierce rivals and ended up becoming friends. And there's there's some awesome lessons in there about like the mentality that it takes to be that good at your sport. And then there's also some really good behind the scenes stuff of like David Stern saving the NBA when it was really and uh, yeah when it was in, having really really hard times i mean there's stories about larry bird jumping in a car with some random fans after they won the title uh going to larry bird's farm and meeting magic to shoot a converse commercial just all kinds of really good stories really good behind the scenes stuff that was kind of going on when i was growing up as a kid so i wasn't really aware of i uh i think if you think maybe you brought that up uh I recommend it to everyone because it, yeah. it's just a fantastic book. I couldn't put it down. Might have to listen to that one. I'm going audio books now, by the way. Yeah, I do mostly podcasts, really, so I don't read a lot of books right now. Which right, I guess my drive dumb. down here, I, I listen to so many damn podcasts. I uh, listen to Spittin' Chicklets with uh, Cam. That was uh, awesome. And Patty Maroon. I haven't gotten to it yet. Oh, it's good. Uh, like, I'm listening to the episode. Like, I like when those guys are bullshitting. Yeah, I do, too. I, I did the same thing. Uh, and then the interview, like I listened to the Bennington one, listen to Stern interviews, uh, but uh, audio books. And I don't know if I'm going to drive back or not, but I kind of don't mind it now that I've done it, now that I've done one leg It's of changed it. long drives, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, it's made I them mean, bearable. I 100%. Like, I, I actually have fun. Like, you forget what you're driving. You're just taking yeah, I knowledge. Yeah, I just kind of sit there at, like, 70 miles an hour in the right lane and, you know— and just sit and listen, and it's like, okay, it's going to take forever, but I'm listening, and I'm fine. You know, like I said, I think wherever I said it on the radio here, who knows, but I, an hour out of St. Louis, I'm like, oh, my God, I've got 17 more hours to go. What <laughs> have I done? 
And then once I once I got a couple hours into, it, I'm like, this is kind. Of, I don't know. I'm kind of enjoying this. I'm just listening and just I don't know. I'm kind of relaxed. So I don't know. I don't know if I'll feel the same way because I'm going to something I look forward to. So it's right. a little different than you know uh, the other way. But um, either way, the book that stands out to me is uh, "So You've Been Publicly Shamed" by John Ronson. It is. Uh, it's. I mean, it was written in 2015, and it resonated then. I don't think the word cancel or the phrase cancel culture had even been born yet. I don't think it really came along until, what, 18 or 19? And uh, now it's like a major part of the lexicon. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's a difficult read, but I appreciate it. And it, it to to sum it up, it's, um, you know, phenomenon that is the, you know, being like doxxed on social media and taken out. And uh, and it and it and it, he interviews a variety of people who, once you're reminded, you remember their story. You may not know their names, but you'll remember the story. Like the lady who made the AIDS joke on her way to Africa. Do you remember that one, Pete? No, but it sounds like something people get real upset about. Yeah, I don't know when this was. I mean, it was obviously a few years ago. If the book came out in '15, and I don't know. I mean, she had like 30 followers and was on her way to Africa. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the joke. On my way to Africa for a wedding. Hope I don't get AIDS. Oh, I do. I do remember. Okay, that. something like that. And then I feel like there was a racial element to it after that. I don't remember what it was, so I'll leave it out. But either way, like you know, it's it's not a brief flight to Africa. So somehow that that just makes its way around Twitter. It gets retweeted. And then people are just waiting, salivating for the moment she lands in Africa because she doesn't have wireless as she crosses the Atlantic and then, you know, and then finds out what has happened. And I'm just like, wow, people are enjoying this. Like, yeah, that's the sick I, part. I remember, I remember in the moment going, what, isn't this like a, this is like just grotesque. And, that, and then like the process they have to go through to have Google like change their names and remove them from searches. <laughs> it is, it is horrific. It is it is a horrific, and I know that wasn't the intent of the book, but I found it to be. Yeah, it says online it's kind of humor. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, it's it, it's just I, I I like I said, I know that wasn't the intent, <laughs> but God Almighty, I found it, and it just so anytime like like I feel like it's a theme of questions from the audience is, um, you know, cancel culture, public shaming, politics, whatever. Now I think they all kind of are intertwined, and uh, that. It certainly opened my eyes even more so to having empathy for these these people who make in in a split second send out a tweet that then destroys their lives and they could have been incredibly honorable and quality human beings for the first x amount of years of their life but that tweet will now define them and uh and then the vitriol that they receive and still the thing that i feel like is like the next book or how it's not addressed is what about the people who then respond like and talk about wanting to kill them yeah. or motherfucking them and saying like hideous things in response and and like that for whatever reasons okay I don't I, I don't get that it makes I, no sense I, I I mean for real I'm, I'm I'm blown away by how that is okay like you can respond with like twenty times the <laughs> shittiness to the original shitty tweet and that's okay. And it like becomes a contest. Now I realize most of the people do that. They'll use their burner accounts. But God, oh 
I don't know. So anyway, anytime that book gets, I get going. All right, let's see. I got a bunch of emails, and I said I'm going to try to get through them, as I always do, and then I never do. All right, this one I can answer. Tim, longtime listener of TMA here. What's the story behind thanking your brother Kevin at the end of every show? I understand you have another brother, but he isn't thanked for whatever reason. Thanks, and hashtag free dotum. That's from Caleb. Uh, yes, I thank my brother Kevin. I, it's, it's like the cat's nickname. There's no good story behind it. It's like Baba Booey on the Howard Stern show. He mispronounced uh, what that character, who, who's the character he was trying to pronounce? Are you even familiar with the story, Pete? Uh, not that story you're talking about. Baba, I don't know. Baba Booey? Like Yaga, yeah, look at that. Yogi Bear, uh, I think, and his Baba Lou or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, he mispronounced it, and then that became his nickname forever. It's it's kind of a shitty story considering how significant uh, the name is in the show's history. The cat's nickname is not a good story. And my brother Kevin, who is now like this, you know, he's, he owns the improv shop and has really done incredibly well for himself. Uh, and I am uh, I, I'm just uh, very proud of him. He's my, he's my younger brother. Uh that uh, he interned on the show in 2007, and I just would thank him. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a family thing, I just kept doing it, and now here we are. It's been 13 years, and I'm still thanking him. So it's a terrible story, but that's the uh, that's the honest answer to it. I have a brother, Danny, and a sister, Mara, and they do not get mentioned. Hey, look, Gangster Pete, it's Deebs, your buddy Deebs. What up, Deebs? Question. We played 27 holes on Saturday. Oh, where are you guys playing? Uh, Aberdeen. How was it? Uh, it was great. I mean, it's nice out. Got to get out, get the card on the on the course, so nice, fun. nice, nice. Uh, Timbo Slice, I hate the fact that the best restaurants in town now force loyal patrons into an awkward sitch where they are forced to tip or not tip whilst looking the cashier directly <laughs> in the eyes from a proximity of three feet. Classic Deebs. Total guilt trip. The rotating iPad payment machine. These folks aren't working any harder than a diligent Hardee's employee, <laughs> yet I'm guilted into tipping them. What the fuck? On top of that, the iPad payment device has the nerve of suggesting a minimum tip of 15%. Go die. <laughs> Typically, I'm required to throw out my own trash in these places. Your thoughts, Deebs? Deebs <laughs> has sent in a lot of emails. I don't want to say weekly, but maybe two a month. And he's got a read rate of maybe 20%. But when I read this one, I thought this is absolutely right on target. And it's and 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 I th- I feel like this has just kind of emerged here in the last few months, um, so like and I, and I didn't know because I I didn't even I don't feel like I've noticed it in St. Louis and I thought it was just like a, a South Florida thing because I've noticed it down here quite a bit, and I'm just like fuck it I'm not doing it and I usually go out of my way I don't know because everybody says it and I don't even like saying it, but I do like it has to be bad for me not to tip at least 20%, if not higher. And I just kind of do it. That's just the way it is, whatever. It's nothing heroic. It's just kind of the way it is. I guess if you worked in restaurants, as I have, and I know I'm sure many of our audience have, mm-hmm. you want to you tip people. But where Deebs is coming from with this, like, for example, Pete, at Roger Dean, you know, and I've gone to, I think, five games so far this spring. Yep. And my son, you know, I get him whatever, you know, and we go in there, and – and it's like I, I ordered popcorn, and I got to give 15% to the person working the concession stand who said, one popcorn, please. I mean. <laughs> they got those at Chaffetz now, too. What the? I mean, for real. It's, and, I, and, I, and I have to tell you something. I think if we got, if we got some of these concessionaires on, on, on the record, under oath, 
I think they would probably tell us at the end of the night they're not chopping up tips. I just think it's a premium put on the price, and it's going to the man. That's what I think. I mean, they're not getting a tip. I, I don't know. I think it's. I think it's. I don't know. But either way, yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm not on board. I'm not. I'm not on board. And I, here's the thing. I see this gets debated every once in a while. I'm curious where you are on this, gangster Pete. If you go to pick up food. Do you tip the person who brings the food to you, the bartender, the maitre d, whatever? When I pick up food, I just I tip like two or three bucks, no matter what the no matter what the whatever cost it is. is. Yeah, that's what I do. So, but I'm I'm in for most situations, I'm a good tipper. Like I don't even mind those machines. Like I over tip anyway, so it's not that big a deal. Uh, I worked in restaurants as a waiter and it's like the worst job I ever had. So I just, I feel bad for anybody in the service industry like that. So I'm just, anything I can do to brighten their day, I'm trying to do it. I would, this is an example of why Deeb's not get along so well. He'd be irate about this. And then I'd be like, chill, bro. They're having, they're having a terrible day. You're, I, yeah, you're I'm about not to get irate a great about meal. it, but I've noticed it. And I'm just like, ah, because the whole, the whole thing, it's like, it's like when they, when you're like at Walgreens or CVS or a grocery store, do you want to donate a dollar to whatever? <laughs> and I was like, no. That and, one and upsets I know the people more. behind me are like judging. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. And it's not, it's not about the dollar. It's the principle of the manner with which it's done. Right. It's not done privately. It's not done just on the machine. You know? So in principle, I've, I say no. They're trying to publicly now, pressure this, you into donating. Exactly. And I'm not down with the pressure shit. This, the theme <laughs> of the, the so you've been publicly shamed. So right. therefore, I will vote no. Uh, or I will say no. And this, like Deeb said, it starts at 15%. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so the principle of it, I'm No. All right, next. Uh, Tim, I know I just emailed you. I see we got a couple here, so maybe I got to. Um, Tim, I know I just emailed you a submission for questions from the audience, but I thought of another one. You can choose one of these. Wow, I, I don't recall receiving this. Uh, you can choose one of these physical traits and then restart your life. Which one would you choose? One, instead of being bald, you have the follicle DNA of Quinn Snyder. Two, instead of being relatively short, so you've said I've never met you. I uh, know I can confirm that. You could be 6'2". Before coming to a conclusion, consider how each would change your life for the better and or for the worse. Design Air Heating and Cooling. Online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. Design Air. Seth Goldcamp and his family have been taking care of St. Louisans going back to the early 1900s. Let them take care of you. Any issues with your furnace, go to designairservice.com. And fortunately, we're in the month of March. And so it's going to start warming up. I know it might seem far off, but it's not far off. And anytime you have any issue, if you turn on that air conditioner here at some point, if we're fortunate enough to be able to do that and go, oh, this doesn't seem like it's right, go to designairservice.com. Let them check it out for you. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling. Design Air, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. It's an Instacall. It's a good question because I live, I live them both, but it's an Instacall. Gangster Pete, what do you think the answer is? Well, for me personally, it's the height. For you, I yeah, can I mean, see the hair. <laughs> no, the, the hair thing is if the hair thing. Now, the hair thing, like pre—I don't know what year, but it's not. It's 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 within the last twenty-five. As a white man, the hair thing would have been a different ball game, you know, pre like when shaving your head was fine. But the the hair thing. Some women actually like it. I mean, for yep. me, what was it matter? I've been with the same woman for twelve years, but. Uh, the height thing is a real thing, and um, 
And I guess the one thing I'm grateful for is that I was not aware of how real of a thing it was until I was like in my mid to late 20s. And I don't want to say I didn't care, but I just was like, oh, all right, whatever. Because if I would have been aware of it, I would have never been as incorrectly confident, incorrectly confident as I was. Because I had no idea like how important that is for many women in sexual attraction. I'm not mad about it. It is it's just the way that it works. You can't be mad about it. I mean it's it's not it's not like a choice to buy a chemical thing. Um, it's probably rooted in survival of the fittest. You know, nobody's you know so I can't, I can't go, well, I'm short and I'm beautiful. You know, I can tell myself that all day long. But the reality is that's not what most women are looking for, you know. Now, I'm sure there are some who, for whatever reason, have that thing going on. But, you know, whereas the, the shaved head thing, I'm sure some women uh, may prefer it. But in the whole scheme of things, it's, it's, you know, I'm sure people would rather have a full head of hair. But at this point, at 43, very rarely will you see guys with, like, the same head of hair without at least some kind of thinning or receding hairline. So it just doesn't, it doesn't, it did at the time um, when I was losing my hair because I thought I was good. Well, I was, I did go into television and that's why I was really cognizant of it. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a, a physical attraction thing. I'm like, Oh my God, there are no bald guys on TV. No white bald guys. Anyway, there was no Scott Van Pelt at the time. And so I was like, this could kill my career. And so I was looking into hair transplants, and they were super expensive in 2007. Uh, I, was about, I was about to fly to Vancouver to get hair transplants. The height thing, um, just I just wasn't aware of it. But I am now so aware of it, um, not, not in like a way that it like impacts my life, but like I, I now see it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like a real thing. But it's also, it's also a real thing for guys. And the way that they treat other guys. And it's kind of got, like, I think, gay undertones. <laughs> I really do. It's a weird thing, man. And I'm kind of, in a way, it's like, like, and it's like usually sometimes like these, you know, masculine, like Lake of the Ozarks kind of, you know, <laughs> like this, you know, kind of like not the people I'd really want to hang out with. But, but like, yeah, no, he's a stud, you know. And it's like, okay, why? Just because he's, like, tall and not obese, you know. I mean. What, what, what do you, what's your deal with this guy? You know, it's a real, it's an odd thing that I'm now aware of, but my, I am grateful that I was not aware of it up until I don't know when, like shit, like 10, 12 years ago, for whatever reason, I wasn't really aware of, it. I think when I was doing live shots on television next to Steve Savard, I became aware of it, but for whatever reason, it didn't impact me. Well, maybe it did impact me in sports, and I just didn't realize. It. I'm just like, oh, I'm not good enough. But I'm sure coaches were like, well, we can't. I mean, this this kid's you know five two. We can't play him, you know. But it didn't really impact me. So anyway, to answer the question, it's an insta call on the height. The hair thing is a is a nothing, and you know, and that's coming from a guy with a weird fucking head too. So uh, most of you probably have better shaped heads. So if you're losing uh, losing your hair, um, just shave it. You know, I mean, shit, it's. It's the, the the defense against the balding. It's it's a it's a it's a lost cause. So, um, but I mean, I did. I was taking Propecia and everything was good. Then I stopped taking Propecia and I lost my hair. So if I would have still been keeping taking Propecia, I'd still have my hair. Gangster Pete, uh, any other thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I take the height. I mean, I think I could generate more power with my golf swing. I think my jumper nice. would be impossible to block. Nice. Uh, 
And I guess ladies like it, but that's never been an issue for me. Oh, look at you. Look at you. That was great. That, 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 I hope people on the fan page listen to that answer. Bring it, boys. Get, get them going. Yeah, I just wasn't. I just had no, I mean, I, did, were you, when did you become aware? Uh, doing that, this podcast. I mean, I, I didn't really ever know, man. About the height thing? I mean, yeah. I mean, I know that I'm you're short. 30, what, 37, 38, and you're not aware of this? Yeah, I know that I'm short, but it's like no, no one's I'm ever No, I'm not talking about you being short that women prefer, prefer taller guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would kind of be aware of it, but I've just... In my head, I was like, well, you're cool enough to overcome that. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> God, I mean, honestly, I'm starting to think you're I playing think. a character. I've just decided I think you're playing a character. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, for real. It's, and listen, it's, 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 it's biochemical. It's human nature. It's whatever. You know, I mean, some you know, people have their, their preferences, but this is just kind of the way it is. And for some, it's like, a, like it, it. And it also is kind of like if you're in a position to like if you're, you know, Kate Upton, you know, or <laughs> Kylie Jenner, or Giselle, or take whatever example, you're going to be able to call your shot a little bit more than, you know, take your pick of somebody who isn't necessarily in that, that category. Uh, and then, the, of course, the same thing works the other way. If you're a guy and, you know, you're take your pick of whomever, uh, DiCaprio or something like that, you're going to be able to call your shot on what your preference is and actually get it. Um, so, you know, operating outside of the extremes of the bell curve, some people just kind of like or they or they get to a point where like yeah you know i have focused on physical attraction and then i've discovered that you know the the person i would much rather be with somebody who and they might not be as attractive but i would rather deal with somebody who's cool or caring or you know doesn't have this particular personality trait or whatever it is but as far as like college when you're you know still kind of in the you know just like fucking mode Going to the meat market. Uh, yeah. Like, that, like it's a thing. And I just, I just, I was, I mean, I was, I look back on it and I'm stunned at how oblivious I was to it. I'm, and I'm, and, and I also, I, not, the emotion that I have isn't stunned while that exists. The one that, that I have more so than stunned is grateful that I didn't know. That's the thing. Because that would have really eaten me up. I know me and I know that that would have really eaten me up. And, and it's not like I was putting up Wilt Chamberlain numbers anyway. <laughs> so if I would have known that, I mean, holy shit. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, it really is. And it's, listen, I mean, and then and then I, I talk about this sometimes, but then it like, like talking about people being overweight is so taboo for whatever fucking reason. I have no idea, but I, I don't know. It's like, oh, that's not nice. And it's like, okay, but like you can still make fun of people for being short. And it's like, can't do anything about it there's nothing i can do i didn't do anything to get this and i can't do anything about it and it's okay to do that so at this moment and i don't really care if it changes i'm not looking to like take a stand here and and you know but but with like obesity it's like i realize not everybody but most of the people have put themselves in that position and they could do something about it but you can't make fun of that or you can't even talk about it but height, you can. Bill Burr has an awesome bit about exactly what you're talking about. Really? It's from well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm obviously not doing a bit. I'm just making an observation. So what's his observation? It, it's from his special Walk Your Way Out. I don't want to give away the bit. I think you should watch it. It's on Netflix. Is he a short guy? Uh, he, I don't know what his, what his height is, honestly. But this okay, so his, is about, the, this his is about the obesity, about making fun of that. And he just... Oh, well, now, now i got to watch it. He starts out anyway. talking now about I'm how you're watch. not allowed to make fun of it, and then he just does. 
and he says everything that you want to say right now, but you're having to hold back on. So walk your way out. It's a special from a couple years ago in Nashville. Fantastic. The whole special. Well, to be awesome. crystal clear, I'm not. Uh, I I'm not like on the verge of like going into like. I'm just. I'm like it actually. It's 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 a health related thing. Right. And it and in, and then it impacts American health care, which then oftentimes a lot of people are like this health care for all. It's bullshit, you know, and you're sitting there and you're like, wow, you're like 350 pounds, you bitch. About. What are we doing here? How do people not know this shit? Yeah, How I think this I, happen? I think you'd really like this bit I'm talking okay, about. Okay, now I got to go watch it. Uh, all right, let's see. That was uh, Micah with one and then Micah back to back, I see. So that's what he meant by I've asked already one. Tim, I've got one for QFTA, a.k.a. Tim sits in a room and talks to himself. That's not fair. <laughs> Gangster Pete is here. Uh, when was the last time you cried? I mean, a real sloppy snot bubble cry cry what were the circumstances do you feel shame at the idea of crying all right i'll start with the uh, last one first and absolutely not no shame at crying um but i remember i do remember getting this email and when i saw it i remember kind of pausing and going god when is the last time that like i had that kind of cry and i don't know i know i cried um when my son was born part of it was just the joy the happiness, and then part of it was, uh, I remember we went to the hospital like at 4.30 in the morning, and uh, everything had been just going like really smoothly, Um, and then right at the end, there became some issues, and you know, know, obviously everything worked out, but at the time, you didn't know, and it got a little scary, and um, you know, I to me uh, and it's one of those things that you can't like Pete I don't think you could um, feel this right now in the same way like I couldn't have felt it three years ago before I guess at this point Anna Marie was pregnant four years ago um, like I, I like some people I know who have had stillborn situations um, and now in, in, in 2020 medicine you usually know you've lost the baby before the baby is born. And so then the, the, the family is in this just, I mean, God, there, there are just aren't many things worse. Where I, mean, I can't to, imagine much worse. Yeah. To give birth to your child who is no longer, who's, who's dead. Um, and now that's not necessarily where we thought this was going by the way, but there were some issues and, and it's just when everything's going really smoothly for however many hours that is, what are we talking about here? 18 hours. Um, and then all of a sudden, like in the final 15 minutes where you think you're on the verge of this, this, you know, for, for me and my wife, something that we never thought we were going to experience because we were told we couldn't have kids, um, and to now we were about to, and then, oh my God. And then, so there was a relief with that. But as far as like, uh, I mean, I know I have, I just don't know what it was. I don't know. I mean, I cried hard um when i received the phone call from the doctor in 2012 um when i thought i had lymphoma for a week and the doctor called me a call that i thought was going to be telling me what kind of lymphoma i had because i had just had this uh procedure a mediastinoscopy to get the tissue and then determine what what kind of, I, I was told it was lymphoma, but they just didn't know what kind of lymphoma. And then I would hear what the treatments were. And then to hear him say, no cancer, uh, that would, those were, you know, he said, Tim, hi, how are you? And I said, good. 
and just in his tone, I was kind. I kind of got a little hopeful that maybe you know it was going to be a positive, uh, you know, phone call, which in the back of my mind I'd been hoping for. But just you know, I was told I had classic lymphoma, uh, textbook lymphoma, all the symptoms of, and and what my uh, I don't even know what it was CT scan I guess it would be, MRI CT scan that, you know, you kind of resigned yourself to it, and, and now they're going to tell you what, what the treatments will be and what your prognosis is, and that's what I was just sitting in my home by myself waiting for all day. Yeah. Um, it was the day before Thanksgiving, and then my mother-in-law, who I have a good relationship with, she's probably right outside the door here as I record this, uh, as her, Anna Marie's parents are uh, here with us, uh, felt terribly and didn't want me to be by myself. And I remember my mom inviting me to come over to the house, and I, and I said, I don't want you guys to be around when I get this phone call. I don't want, because I, I just didn't want them to have to experience that. I didn't want them, I didn't want them to have to see that. Uh, and my mom in particular, who obviously I don't you know, know in all my life, and you know, I didn't want her to have to deal with that, and I didn't want my mother-in-law to have to deal with it. I just wanted, I just wanted to be by myself, so I would take it in, have that emotion by myself, and, uh, and, and, you know and not let them see that. I didn't want them to see that. That's what I was thinking. And so when he said no cancer, I just remember when I've told the story, now it's been almost, it's been six, seven and a half years, but the first few years of telling that story, I just, I couldn't get through those two words without my voice breaking. And it's still somewhat emotional now, even though it's been as long as it has, and just how grateful I was. But I remember it wasn't necessarily like, oh my God, I'm scared of chemotherapy. I'm scared of dying. I was... I was hurting for my family. I was hurting for my mom and dad and my brothers and sister, my wife, um, her parents. You know, she's their only child, and now their son-in-law is going to, you know, have to deal with cancer and what it could, you know, I mean, what it could mean. That's what I remember thinking. And I just, so it was a combination of relief, but also just happiness for them that they wouldn't have to deal with it. Um, And just to hear those words, I mean, it was just a, I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a, you just don't get those. Oh, well, then that, then that, because I, because I'm about to say, you don't get those, and I got one. The, the answer is actually now that it, it triggered my memory. And you weren't working with me at the time, Gangster Pete. This would have been January of 17. Um, uh, with, uh, we were, we, like I had just said a little earlier, that we had been told we couldn't have children. Um, did IVF, did it a, two times, I guess. Did IUI, that didn't work. Then IVF, which is not only financially expensive, I learned how emotionally expensive it is. Um, and and then at that point, we saw a doctor, and the doctor said, yeah, at this point, you ought to look into surrogate or adoption. And I'm just like, oh, man, this could be a defining moment for me and Anna Marie, because if she really wants to be a mother, I'm not sure I'm in a spot where I want to be a father to and adopt. It's just not where I am. Um you know, and that's, you know, God, I hope this doesn't lead to adoption emails. It's it's a personal thing. And for me, I just wasn't sure that's where I was. Now, I'm also certain now as a father that had we adopted, I would have loved the baby just like it was my own. Um, but that was that was my mindset at the time. And so we we're going to do IVF one more time. And uh, we were about to do it in January of 17. And on December 26th of 16, it was either 26th or 27th of 16, Anna Marie uh, gave me, she said, I have one Christmas present I forgot to give you, and uh, and it was a card saying that uh, that she was pregnant. Flair for the dramatic. 
What's that? A flair for the dramatic. Yes, and and it, we were with. Uh, I'm not going to name the friend just because her husband is somebody who some people may know. It's neither here nor there. It's a positive story. It's just I don't know. It's a private conversation, and and we were just at this this Christmas party for her and all her friends. And the friend was sitting there. We were just sitting there boozing, and she goes, "God, you guys are just so." in love and she said and it wasn't like meant to be poignant she's like when two people love as much as two people love each other as much as you two love each other you just have to have a baby and so that's what she put on the card and i'm just like oh my god you're pregnant like we didn't think it was even possible <laughs> so i mean you're, you're incredibly grateful and then two weeks later um she came downstairs bawling her eyes out i mean like mm. inconsolable and she said i lost the baby and i'm just like Oh my God, you know, and and now to think that this baby is, you know, now running around outside here right now, um, but you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have that feeling yet because you don't know, you don't really don't know until you you see and hold the baby, but because um, it's almost like a, a figment of your imagination at that point, and at this point she's you know very early in the process, maybe like eight weeks or something like that, six eight weeks, and I remember getting on the phone with my doctor and saying, you know, is, is there anything we should do? He goes, no. He goes, I'm so sorry. This is, you know, it's just, it's so sad, especially, you know, considering you guys thought you had, you know, had this miracle. And he goes, the good thing is now you know you can get pregnant. He goes, hold on to that. And then he said, uh, he said, I, I just want to tell you one story that in medical school, a friend of mine um, thought they lost the baby um, and, um you know, couldn't get into the doctor that day because it was a weekend. And then, you know, 25 years later, I can tell you that that baby is now in medical school. He goes, so you never know. And uh, that Monday we go into the uh, hospital. All Anna Marie was concerned about was that she wouldn't have to get the uh, was it the DNC procedure, um, which oftentimes women have to go through um, when they lose a baby, which is incredibly traumatic i don't know if any of us as men can possibly relate to that and um and in the back of my mind i'm like man i I already got the one outer on the no cancer you know could i possibly get another one you know i'm not i don't i don't want to i don't i didn't want to ask for one then and i don't want to ask for one now but in the back of my mind i'm like maybe there's just any chance that this baby's still alive and uh pete i might lose it here so i gotta get through this hey you're doing great uh Good. You were a smartass there, which will help me be focused because now I have a little anger. Uh, <laughs> the uh, So then when the, the nurse is, like, you know, doing the ultrasound, she goes, oh, there's the baby's heartbeat right there. And I'm just like, I mean, I just, oh, my God. Oh. 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 That, that moment. I mean, that is, whew. So to have two of those, you know, in your life where you're, like, thinking, you know, so that that would be the answer. That would be. That would be the answer. And, and here we are three-plus years removed from that, and it still hits me. So, Mike, a good question because I had to, I had to go deep into the tank, and I, f- I had forgotten about uh, January of 2017 because that's the easy answer. I remember, I remember going, oh, my God, I'm crying this hard, you know. Uh, Pete, do you have an answer? Do you even want to go down this road? Or you? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky, man. I, I've, I haven't lost anybody super close to me in a very long time, and uh, just – Nothing, nothing nearly as good as what you did. So I would say the most recent crying was for the blues, and prior to that would probably be when my grandfather passed away. Yeah, I, f- I mean, I figure that's 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 probably where most answers are. And um, 
you know, I mean, I've, I've lost all of my grandparents. My dad's dad wasn't alive when I was born. Um, and obviously that's, that's, that's brutal. Um, and, and I think it's, 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 you're, you're sad, of course, because you've lost your grandmother or father, but, uh, to see your parents pain, I think is the thing on the, on grandparents passing. Oh yeah. You know, that's the thing. Oh, that's the, that's the thing. Um, that, that stands out to me about that. But then also my pride for the way that they, they handled it. My mom eulogized both of her parents, which is something I remember growing up. She would watch somebody do that and she goes, God, I could never do that. And then she was able to do it for both of her parents and, um, how close my dad's family, uh, was with their mom. And she was, God, 90, well into her nineties when she passed and sharp as hell, sharp as hell the day I, the sorry, which we knew she was going to pass away that day. I just always, super sharp but yeah i mean i've just had two you know and i and i tell i tell both those stories somebody like sent in a text one time and it really just fucking pissed me off man uh, <laughs> and i don't even remember how the, how it came up um because i do have some guilt on the cancer thing um but the reason i decided to go public with it was you know at the time i was 35 36 and now I don't have this, but it wasn't because of the cancer thing. Now you just start in, in your early 40s. I'm just, I mean, you might even be for people in their 30s or maybe even 20s. You start to get these injuries that come out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, okay, this shit is happening. This is real. You know, when people talk about getting old, now I'm living it, and now I know. But in your 30s, many people still are, you know, wouldn't even be able to tell a difference between 35 and 25. And I certainly was lucky enough to be one of those people. And so you feel invincibility. And the reason I talked about it was I know a lot of people still, I'm sure plenty of people listening to this right now, don't like to go to the doctor. Some of that is health care related. Um, and I'm just like, man, if you know, I mean, I had a cough, you know, and it was an inconvenient, persistent cough. Other than that, I didn't have anything else going on. That's it. And I'm sure more than 50% of people in my spot, men in their mid-30s, would have been like, oh, I have a cough, I'll get something. I thought I thought I was going in to get a Z-Pack. That's what I thought I was getting. <laughs> and within within an hour, not an hour, but I got something, and I remember the doctor calling, well, and it was my doctor's assistant going, well, sometimes this can be lymphoma. And so I'm just like, whoa! You know, we went, I thought I was just getting like maybe Robitussin or a Z-Pack to the words lymphoma. And within... 24 hours of that I was being told I had lymphoma uh, so uh, when when people get diagnosed with cancer I can relate to that part of it and like the waiting for the phone call and the details and I can relate to that but then the rest of it I can't possibly relate to and so it's like I, I've I've been held underwater so to speak and, and and saw the abyss but then I was lucky enough to get pulled back out and so I have some guilt over that. And somehow we were talking about something, and this is recent too. And some motherfucker's like, oh, this is where Tim's, of course, going to talk about how he had cancer. I'm like, fuck you, man. I'm like, I, I feel, if anything, I feel guilty about it, you know, that I experienced like the first chapter, but then that's it, where so many people have lost people to cancer or they're dealing with it themselves or they've dealt with it, and I didn't have to deal with that. Um, and so I do have like some guilt about it. Cause I remember writing about Chris Duncan at the time. And of course he's since passed and a couple of other people who I specifically mentioned when I wrote about it. And, um, and there is, there's some kind of like guilt, um, with it. 
but uh, but with regarding going public about you know not being able to have a baby and our miscarriages and so on and so forth, we had always been told that, well, you know, sometimes it just happens naturally, and we'd always be like, oh God, you're so full of shit. Don't don't blow that smoke. It's insulting. And then sure enough, it actually did happen to us. So for those. And it's like it's not talked about. I guess maybe it's embarrassing. I don't know why it's not talked about. It's private, so I understand a lot of people keep those things private. But, um, you know, it, it, it's something, God, it's like at this point I feel like miscarriage is like if you haven't had one, it's almost surprising. So uh, for people who haven't been able to have children know that, you know, in our case, uh, in Anna Marie was, what, 32, 33? So... Uh, it can absolutely happen, and um, and it did, and you can now put a face and name, faces and names on it. Um, hey Tim, know you're a big Stern interview guy. One of my favorite things over the years is when big celebrities, actors, musicians, etc., come on and talk about projects they thought would work, but ultimately did not. It brings an honesty to the interview that is not often he- uh, heard elsewhere. You've been doing this long enough now that I'm sure you have some examples. What are a few things over the years you were bullish on at the time but didn't connect? Could be shows, business ventures, content, or anything else. Also, please don't use this as an excuse to besmirch Nick and the Badger of the Late Night Score. Thank you. That comes from Brett. My goodness. Uh, you think you think I would ever besmirch Nick and the Badger of the Late Night Score? You got the wrong guy. Gangster Pete, you as a listener... And yes, as somebody sir. who has been a listener and also a writer on Inside STL, before I even go down this road, you know you can speak freely. Even if you didn't know you could speak freely, I know you would speak freely. <laughs> Feel free to shit on some things that I have done that have not worked out. Oh, man, I thought Fesco was going to be huge. Huge. Well, I didn't. Is you might be. We're probably gonna have a lot of these come in, and I'm gonna. And I, I don't know if I should. It's like better if I just like go. Yeah, I was responsible for that because a lot of these things there are details where I'm like, yeah, I didn't have anything to do with it, but I guess I'll own it just for the sake of the segment. But yes, as you, I know you know on that one, especially yes. now because you're I'm working well with the cat that the cat was uh, unceremoniously uh, terminated and got a new bathroom. I mean, I don't have anything off the top of my head. I'd certainly let you know, but uh... yeah, I know. <laughs> I know you would, and I appreciate that. Um. There have been some things that I didn't think were going to work that have worked. Gangster Pete's merchandise would be one that comes to mind immediately because the one that I would say is where I had my biggest loss financially um, was merchandise. And I'm not talking about like recent stuff. I'm talking about we had a great deal of success. We had one of those things happen where it just hits and it goes beyond – you know, the radio audience to, you know, to, I don't even say all of St. Louis, to, because of the, to like the region with the retire 51 thing with uh, Willie McGee in, in 2006. And, you know, Brian Burwell wrote a column about it. Um, and we were selling shirts and we were selling them left and right online. And it, it uh, Mike Shannon's downtown after games. And this was the first year of the new Bush Stadium. And so then other shirts were selling not nearly as well as that but still we had some I mean I look back on that and I think I was 29 years old and I was working a t-shirt stand all while you know not making crazy money but good money legitimately good money um it in 2006 it's it's, again it's just it's it's holding up the mirror my lack of business sense um that I was doing that 
and we did well. And so then, then what happens is you're like, oh, well, now I got to do it again for the 2007 season. And so we came up with all of these shirts in different colors for like the different areas of the St. Louis metropolitan area. And as opposed to what you have done, Gangster Pete, with the merchandise and not making the purchase until the shirts have been ordered, which, yes, leads to you catching shit (laughs) about the delay, quote-unquote, for the shirts arriving or the hats arriving, what you are doing is you are protecting the business by not ordering things that won't get sold. You know, trying to gauge demand a little bit. Yeah, sure. Also known as effectively (laughs) operating a portion of a business. And this is where me just being a complete jackass, I I absolutely blew it. And I don't, I I mean, I can't even, I mean, it's not like it's six figures or anything like that. And it's probably not even $20,000. But either way, I mean, $20,000 now is a lot of money, much less then. And uh, I don't know what it was, but it was it was thousands of dollars, and these T-shirts eventually just got dumped in the trash, uh, or sent to Goodwill. I think some went to Goodwill, and some <laughs> just did so many. It, it, I mean, it, it just and it, and it was relatively recent because they had been like in storage in our offices downtown. And I just look at that and I go, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and I I mean, it just it, I mean, just holy shit, just yeah, I mean. Well, and that I know that that's explains not... the look on your face when I brought up my merchandise idea. Yeah, like, yeah, because you, you because... kind of like went ghost white. Oh yeah, I'm just like, oh, I've been down this road, and it was brutal. And but the, the key on why your merchandise has worked is first off, they're show specific. You know, I don't. I mean, I guess some of these things have have transcended the show, not by any means the majority of them, but some of them have. And then also. Um, they're well done. The designs are well done, and the partnership with STL Style, those guys do great work. I mean, that, that that's just they just do great work, and um, and it's just you know you're you're creative and catch these things, and then certainly the Blues Run played a big role in it, but it was successful before that. And then the thing is, if you're if you're only buying that which you need, you you mitigate the risk. So you know it's just. I don't know. I, that that that's one I know people probably want me to talk more about radio stuff than than that because that's not all that titillating. Honestly, I don't know. Um I thought the show with Cam Jansen, TJ Moe, Eric Messersmith, Hannah Yates and Matt Whitener was and could have been a good show. Um, I guess I'll give something there that is radio-related because otherwise people, you know, they want radio stuff. They don't want inside baseball merch stories. (laughs) Um, And so when we came over to KFNS in 2016, uh, Randy Markell, who owns the station, initially said he didn't really care if there was a sports show in the afternoons, and then he decided he did and wanted to go to a sports show in the afternoons. And so We Are Live, which was over with us at 920 uh, with Chris Denman and uh, Travis Terrell, was the afternoon drive show, and about a month or month and a half in, Randy said, I I want a sports show. I I just think it's got to be sports. And I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, you own the station. 
Um, and so then uh, I guess he moved them to middays, if I'm not mistaken, or I had to move them to middays. He wanted to move them to middays. I moved them to middays. And, and then he wanted a sports show. But what the criticism of that show was there were too many people on the show. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm on a show with six people, and nobody's really saying that about our show. But on this show, they're saying it, and I didn't understand it. Like, Messersmith was the point guy. He's a rock-solid broadcaster from my standpoint. Uh, Cam's entertaining as hell. He and TJ would go at it. I knew Hannah was talented, and then I had no idea how knowledgeable she was about hockey. I mean, and I'm not talking about, oh, she knows stuff for a girl. I'm not (laughs) saying that shit. I'm saying she could run circles around, I think, everybody at the radio station minus Cam when it comes to the NHL. And it's... She, to me, someday could very well wind up on like a network and uh, NHL telecast. I, she's just that good, and I, just, I had no idea. I mean, I knew she was talented, but I didn't know her depth of knowledge on the NHL. And I thought Matthew Whitener, and I still think Matthew Whitener is an incredibly good and talented person. Um, but uh, you know, there was really no program director to help guide that show, and they were all working together for the first time. And I guess. What I think, I, a, a flaw of mine, I suppose, if I'm looking in the mirror on this stuff, would be I'm looking for the next morning grind slash morning after and feeling like because it's so easy for us that it will be easy for the next group of people if you just put the right group of people together. And I guess I guess maybe that's just not the case. Like you, Like there isn't a program director at this point with TMA who could go, hey, you know, in this segment you guys did this, you know, because part of the success of the show is how stupid it is. So, like, if you're going to, like, correct all of the things that are wrong, you're taking away the good stuff, <laughs> you know. You you want microphones to not work. You want stamps to not be available to send <laughs> out prizes. That's part – it's like it's like the Letterman show, uh, you know. Like, the, the flaws become the part that the audience enjoys, so some too much. Yes, it's <laughs> very true, Gangster Pete. So I just I'm like, OK, if let me get the right people and their talented, then it'll happen. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. I it didn't I guess it didn't work out. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily an indictment. Well, I'm certainly saying I'm not, not saying it's an indictment of those people at all. Um because because if if it would have been like if this if they would have been doing that show at 101 for example or a, a, a corporation they would have had a program director working with them on the show and I did it a few times where I would sit there and listen to the whole show and then send them notes but at the time I was running the radio station as well and so I'm hosting the show and running the radio station and it's a new business uh, it's a new ownership group management structure, and 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 it just, you know, it they didn't really have any coaching. Um, but that's the thing. I'm kind of like I don't necessarily think. And then with like Nick and the Badger, which I realized was included in this thing, um, producer Joe at that time was like people who hear him text into TMA now. Like, what the fuck's wrong with that guy? You know, like, why is he so angry? And Pete, I know you you hear him on the on the Pick Six podcast, and he oh, yeah. just goes off on Iggy, and you're just like, all right, that's it. I'm getting up and I'm leaving until this shit's over. But if you think what what you hear now is bad, he was 50 times worse in 2010 when that show was on. 
it, and, it, and, and I know, and Joe knows I know the circumstances, and I know the, the circumstances, and they're, they're Joe's circumstances, and he might be willing to talk about it. I don't know, but it's not my place to talk about it. But he was so fucking angry. <laughs> and you have Charlie, who's this happy-go-lucky guy, um, and, uh, and Mike Wellington, who uh, people may know from Birdies for Bipolar and his book, and he's a golfer, a uh, friend of the program for certain. And it, it, and I and I'm I'm telling you this I'm not sure the show didn't work I'll tell you this from the financial standpoint it absolutely worked but that's a credit to my dad uh, because he sold remotes every day he had like a Cal Ripken like streak and he never wanted that show to be in studio and so they were out every day and you know it, it so it absolutely made money and I don't think just Joe wasn't in a good place I mean that's what it comes down to because Joe's talented. He just wasn't in a good place. And so for a show like that where you're like at a restaurant or bar screwing off, but the guy who's running point is just angry at the world and then therefore like shitting on his co-host, <laughs> it causes – it's, it's not a real positive dynamic. So um, I don't know if I would say Nick and the Badger didn't work. Late night score absolutely didn't work. While I, for the purpose of the discussion, I will own it. I absolutely know I was not responsible for it, but nobody ever wants to hear anybody pass the blame, so I'll just own it, and I won't go into the details on the whole thing. But uh, I still think a show like that could work. But what you have to – because now, I mean, if anything, Pete, what's going on with Barstool, to, to, to their credit, good for them. What they do with Chicks in the Office and uh, Call Her Daddy – I mean, those are uh, Call Her Daddy is like one of the most popular podcasts, period. Yeah. I don't know where Chicks in the Office, and I'm not talking about just on Barstool. I'm talking about podcasts. But do you listen to those, by the way? Which ones? Call Her Daddy and Chicks in the Office? No. Uh, I kind of, I know what's going on with them. But uh, the Chicks in the Office, that's that's huge across like multiple platforms. Like not just what? the podcast. They're all over all the different social medias. Okay, yeah. And they got all kinds of merch. Uh, yeah, well, that, that, but that's what that that's what bar, that's what Barstool has done, which is kind of like that. That's what makes me go, God, do I just need to like eat shit and tweet? Because the whole game is, at least I think it is, which is, hey man, God bless, it has le- led to a nine-figure valuation, tip of the cap. How can you do anything but tip your cap? Um, is to like tweet all the time and post shit on Instagram all the time and do videos all the time, so people start following you, and then your your posts about merch are organic because like like right now like the only time I'm tweeting is when I'm promoting a podcast you know and so it's kind of like oh thanks for popping up to promote your podcast go fuck yourself but like young page views is tweeting a million times but for every you know 101 of his tweets that are you know just organic entertainment you know one is about pushing merch and so it comes off more natural and so that's what they do god bless beautiful thing because uh, it's obviously working that's that's the model and now a bunch of i think people are picking up on the model if they're not it's kind of being held up for all to see so i don't know if it would be smart for me to do that i just i feel like i just don't want to get in i just don't want to <laughs> if everybody had to use their real name on twitter i would be on twitter <laughs> constantly because these motherfuckers have all these burner accounts and they like get off on trying to take people down it's just like you're not having a real conversation, which is why I communicate on the fan page. That's what I like to do. Because even though you know there's a few burners there and whatever that you have, you know, with some of the issues, for the, <laughs> for the most part, 
people are using their real names or they've gone to great lengths to try and act like it's their real name, even though we know it's not their real name, but we kind of know them or people know them and we know that they're real people and they're harmless. So for the most, again, I want to emphasize for the most part, and when I say for the most part, I'm talking 98%. Twitter, it's just a different, like, it's just so many burners and it's just like troll festival. It's just, I don't know. Because I would like to do it, but I'm like, I don't really want to go through it, but then I know it would help, like, the, your, your your merch stuff. Um, so I don't know. But anyway, why I was talking about that was an all-female show. That was that was the that was the business model, an all-female show, which I absolutely believe in, and I'm thrilled to see working. Uh, Sarah Bruce was part of uh, our station, or our shows, I guess, inside STL shows. Super talented, incredibly smart. I remember her. You remember her? Yeah, she's good. And very likable, smart, talent. I mean, she had it all. Um, and uh, and we still see her at our events. Uh, the late night score just had, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, it's. I mean, I could absolutely identify the, the core issue on that. But um, you have to have, like, the right – you have to have – just like a, a, I'm going to say it, fuck it attitude. And I think that's where radio in St. Louis will eventually get because you're going to get to a spot where like nobody gives a fuck if you're on TV anymore. And, and you know, like, oh, we got to be careful because I'm on TV. And it's like, OK, nobody cares anymore. It's stuff that's that's done, you know, and and people will be able to speak more honestly um, and just like, OK, so you don't like it. Fine. Fuck it. As opposed to, oh, you don't like it. Now you're going to call my TV station and try and get me fired there. <laughs> um, so that's what you now have with Call Her Daddy. I, but the thing with Call Her Daddy, I would think that now maybe I need to give it another chance. I've given it like three or four chances. I'm just like, I just don't find it amusing. I, I don't think it's very good. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, like it's, I, I, it's I two women who anymore. aren't great broadcasters. Not that I needed them to be great broadcasters. Like talking about fucking, and it's like. Eh, I don't know. It's just I don't. I don't. It's just I don't think it's that great. But I guess because they're like the and they're I guess because they're attractive, then it then it has more titillate. You know, like if they weren't, I don't know. I can't figure it out. I so I'll give it another shot. But I I've think, done I it. Think I go through it. I'm just like, oh, it's just not that. I just I'm like kind of bored by it. Well, yeah, you're you're a little older than the demographic they're they're appealing to. They're appealing to like college age kids. But I mean, they're t- but they're talk about fucking. I mean, what? Yeah, I know. I'm just telling you. I, I think that most of their fans are more college age, early. Well, no, 20s. I, I get that. I mean, in general, bar stools certainly college or twenty somethings fresh out of college. I get so that. So to them, it doesn't sound as stupid as it sounds to. But it's not. Us, but it's not. It's not about still stupid. stupid. I, I don't find it. I don't. It's. I, I just don't. I don't think it's like. I don't get. I don't get the hook of the entertainment. Like I get. A lot of the barstool content, even though personally, I don't. I'm just like, yeah, I, I kind of see the thing, and it's like it's I, it's not for me. But I get it. On this, I don't get it. Like I feel like you could find two women who would be a hell of a lot more witty to be like. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I do listen to sex podcasts, and you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, like well, like you, you could definitely were in find smarter girls. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> well, like you were in on the interview I did with Caden. Right. You know, so I have these conversations with people. And and they're 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 like they're not like oh you just said vagina tee hee hee or you know whatever the term they use for blowjob is, you know and um, 
and it's it's like tee he it's like almost like tee he he shit. And I don't get because like in your in your twenties you're you're past tee he he shit, you know. Yeah. It's not like, it, but it's not like uproarious either. I, I listen. I God bless them. I'm thrilled. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful for women to be able to talk about sex and not like I'm sure I'm sure they still get like slut shamed or whatever bullshit goes on with guys you know mad that they won't like it you know take their advances up on social media and then they hate on them for talking about sex but uh i'm all for it i'm just i'm isolating in on this show and i just i'm like i don't for the life of me i don't get it like i get chicks in the office but i don't get to call her daddy thing. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to revisit i'm gonna have to revisit it and figure it out i know that wasn't the question from brett but uh but uh, yeah as far as like there, there's got to be i mean listen Here's here's another thing. There are there are absolutely other answers, but I can't say them yet. Kind of like Gangster Pete earlier on, uh, when you were asked your question yeah. about uh, you know you're kind of like yeah, and then you handled it the absolute right way. I don't know if any of the other members of the Pips would have handled it like you did, but <laughs> uh, but I, I I was confident you would handle it like that at least at some point in your answer. And sure enough, you went right there right out of the gate. Uh, let's see. I'll go one more, and then off we will go. Uh, let's see. Uh, good morning, Tim. I don't remember this one. This one's from uh, not even a week ago, but I still don't remember. Good morning, Tim. I've listened to almost every one of your podcasts. I've been a regular TMA listener since 2014. The September-October 2011 run to the World Series is what turned me on to the morning show. Keep up the great work. What I enjoy about the show is that you never know what you are going to get. It could be sports, politics, or anything else. As a Doug Lemming, even though he blocked me on Twitter... I probably agree with 80% of what he has to say. I was wondering if you and Doug have discussed doing a weekly podcast solely surrounding politics leading up to the election. (laughs) James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. How great of a sponsor is James Carlton? Well, he was, I say simply a sponsor. I don't want to demean what he was, but he was simply a sponsor. He thought the podcast was going to do well. So before we started the podcast, he said, I want to advertise on the podcast. I appreciate the faith, James, and I appreciate the fact that 18 months later, you're still with me. But I was so impressed with James that I switched to James. I had to, and I'm so happy I did. Just this morning, what happened? Oh, I got a notification from State Farm. Um, my wife's car is, is back in St. Louis, and uh, and. James got us on this um, program on the State Farm app that allows us to save money based on quality of driving performance and the odometer. And And they sent uh, an email and saying, hey, could you update uh, your wife's car's odometer? This is just a standard State Farm group email. And uh, and I emailed James and I said, hey, uh, just want to let you know we get back in a couple weeks. But I, I have no idea and she doesn't remember what's on our you know mileage. And so uh, can you? You know, what What should we do there? Because we want to make sure we get that discount. And he goes, don't worry about it. I see what it was in December. We'll make an, uh, an approximation on what it is, and we'll take care of it. And there's that. And I know it might be like, oh, that's, you know, that's not that big of a deal. And, okay, you might say it's not that big of a deal. I know this. I couldn't have done that before I switched to James Carlton, and it saves me money. And it's also got back to me within, like, five minutes of me sending the email. Does your person do that? Now, they might. I don't know. I know that not everyone does, and I know that not everyone has a staff like James at 314-961-4800. And you're not talking about like, oh, this is my you know, little $50, you know, this or that. It's like, oh, if, I, if, it, if it gets messed up, it gets messed up. Who cares? That's not the way that it is. This is your home. 
This is life insurance for your family. This is your auto. This is important. So you want to have somebody who knows it, who's in charge of it. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. <laughs> no, and I can tell you right now it isn't happening. Uh, I'm sure others have brought this up. No, nobody else has brought it up. And maybe both of you couldn't make the time work or it would be too hard to get sponsorship. I know I would listen to every one of them. It would be refreshing to hear you have more time to have discussions with Doug and really dig it, dig in when he gives a crazy take. Thanks for reading. That's Kyle from South County. Uh, Gangster Pete, your reaction? Uh, I, I'd be the. I'll offer my services as the moderator. I think that'd be great. <laughs> I, I, it's just, I, it's, it's, it, I don't know because I kind of got banty last week on the show. Um, and I don't know what it was. Doug, do you remember what it was? And some guy was texting in, and he was insinuating that Doug was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember what the topic was. But I'm like, okay, I've had enough of this. Yeah. I don't, Doug, rem- I don't remember exactly, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm just like, and, and may, I don't know if Doug, I mean, I'm, I, I couldn't see Doug, so I don't know if Doug was like, oh, fuck, what is he doing? You know, I don't know. I don't know if he appreciated it or was like, what the fuck's he doing? But, you know, well, number one, I'm tired of being blamed for shit that I have nothing to do with. I've been tired of that for a number of years. But if, for whatever reason, I'm tired of people riding coattails. I'm tired of getting blamed for shit I have nothing to do with. <laughs> I am, I am, I'm at a dangerous point right now of being in the fuck this mode. So th- that, that's a factor. Secondarily, Doug's political opinions are not my political opinions. So if you have an issue with Doug's political opinions, contact Doug. You know, well, how come you don't shoot him down? Why don't shoot down like the cat when he gives a cardinal opinion? You know, I don't I don't get And why am I? Why is it my fucking responsibility? I just don't get it for the life of me. Like, why am I supposed to be like and why is it on me? You know, I'm not the boss of the radio station. I don't know how many times I have to say it. I'm not the boss of these these people are my coworkers, and I'm talking about not just Doug and the cat. I'm talking about you, Pete, and Iggy, and the Plowhawk. We're all in the same playing field, so it's that's just a truth. And I get frustrated when truths aren't included in the discussion, or if somebody doesn't correct Doug's facts, and then people get mad at me about it, as opposed to and it's just like, guys, you know. So I can't even remember what the discussion was last week. Oh, the Biden odds something that we've been talking about here on the podcast and I've talked about on the fan page and on the radio. And I don't remember what it was. Oh, Doug said nobody lies more than Joe Biden. That's what it was, <laughs> Pete. That's what it was. Yep. How could I forget that? And, yeah, and I'm just like, okay, you know, fine. I mean, it's, it's like, so, so if, I, if I stop and go, hold on a second, what about Donald Trump? Which, you know, in the audience, I'm sure plenty of people, like, what, 75% probably, we're like, hold on a second. What about Donald Trump? What's going to happen? That's going to be the next like half hour of the show, and it's just going to be terrible radio. And, and I'm not. And so I'm aware of this in the moment. I like to think I get the benefit of the doubt for hosting this thing for 16 years. That I kind that I'm that I'm cognizant of these 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 you know issues that pop up in the moment. Uh, sometimes you might notice somebody saying something. You go, oh my god, that could cause trouble. And how do I handle it? I just move right on like it didn't happen. I'm well aware of it. And if I call attention to it, all it does is call attention to it. So I move right on because I used to co-host a show with Frank Cusimano. And anytime I'd say something weird, he would get so uncomfortable and call attention (laughs) to it that it made it a big deal. 
And I remember my mom as a listener saying, you know, I like you doing the show with Martin and Jim more, but I don't know why. And I said, that's because when I say weird shit, they just move right past it because they're just like, well, he's fucking weird. But, you know, whatever. He said it. We didn't say it. So with with, with respect to, to Doug, I, I wanted to focus on the odds, which, by the way, have changed even more so. Now Biden, Trump is only minus 120 to win reelection, and Biden is plus 125. Uh, Biden was plus 750 to win the Democratic nomination 10 days ago. Now he's plus 125 to win the White House. Holy shit. Um, and so that's what I wanted to focus on. And I know if I get if I get distracted as I'm on my road, we'll never get to where I want to go. So that was the reasoning. But then people are like, well, yeah, it's typical. Tim's scared. To, and I'm like, I'm fucking scared. I'm just, I, I, I know what Doug thinks and what he says. And it's it's not necessarily... You know, and, and somebody made the observation on the fan page, which was in a very, and it's somebody who didn't post much. Like, if you listen to the show, you know, it's a tough spot for D- T- Tim and the cat because Doug will go off on tangents and they might not necessarily be there, but they like and respect Doug and they don't want to like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough spot. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's a tough spot because I do like and respect Doug. I think the world of him as a coworker, there it is. Our, it's like a live read on the show, yeah. Pete. Every week we say but I, I, you know, I don't share the same opinions or facts, I think, actually, <laughs> that, that he necessarily does. And, and for whatever, it's a strange thing. Or like, man, what are you going to do about uh, Iggy and Plowboy's work ethic? I don't fucking know. What's your problem with their work <laughs> ethic? Here's their email addresses. You know where they are on social. Why don't you contact them? It's just, it's just it, I just don't get it. Like, if I were in charge, I would be like, yeah. I agree. This is something, however, we're going to handle I- in- internally with whatever issue it would be that somebody would be bringing to me. Talk about take your pick of whatever thing. If I agree, yes. However, we're going to handle it internally. Thank you for your email. Thank you for listening. God bless America. But in these cases, like, why am I? Why are they coming to me? It really does tilt me. Obviously, it tilts me. And it, I also know it's probably it probably does, it makes me come off the wrong the wrong way. By the wrong way, I mean like, oh, you don't want responsibility, but it's not my responsibility. I do want the responsibility. I've been trying to buy a radio station for a while now, so I want the responsibility. That's not private shit. I want the responsibility. I see an opportunity to do some things that I think could be really good, and I know that that would come with more responsibility. But as long as I'm not the person who is in charge, it's not my place to come in and tell people how to act or how to do their job. So that's where I'm coming from with it. Um, so with regard to debating politics with Doug, I have zero interest in it. Zero. <laughs> it's absolute zero. Why? Because he's operating off of a different set of facts than I am. And therefore we aren't debating. We're not debating opinion. We're debating fact. And I have zero interest in debating fact. None, none. And that's not a Doug thing. That's an anybody thing. But like somebody who like, like a David Hun, for example, who have people talked about, that's somebody who I, I think we, we actually do see some things differently. Uh, but we're operating off the same set of facts, and 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 it and it and I don't think it'd be like contentious, and not that not that I would have a problem with it being contentious. It's just I I like I love philosophical discussions. I love a question where my answer might start here, and then somebody presents new information. I go, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm wrong, or yeah, I thought that was the answer, but maybe it's not the answer. I like that. I like that. I guess right now it's kind of considered a vulnerability and you're not supposed to do that. And you're just supposed to keep charging ahead, even no matter what the facts are thrown in your face. Like, you know, but th- that's not that's not 
that's not me. And 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 I also am not uh, inclined to like get particularly. Um, I don't know. I just I, I am so fascinated by this stuff. I look forward to at this point reading uh, columns and reading information. Uh, and getting perspective on it because of what I said last week, Pete. I said November 2020, I think, is going to be a significant month in the history of this country. And now, if Joe Biden is going to win the White House, holy shit. I mean, <laughs> I've been op- I've been operating on the premise for, I don't even know, I think December of 2016, that Donald Trump is going to be a two-term president. And for the first time, I'm not saying he's not going to be, but I'm starting to think there's a chance he's not going to be. And holy shit, what's going to happen if that happens? What do you think would happen, by the way? Oh, I, let me ask you that. If, if he were to lose. If he loses? Yes. Uh, I think he'll be kind of relieved. And he, he won't make as big a deal about it as <laughs> Maybe you might I'm think. Not, and, and do you think he would stand up there wherever his uh, celebration is or intended victory celebration and congratulate Joe Biden and wish him the best? I mean, I I actually think he would. I think wow. I think that he, I think he wants to win because he wants to win. That's just who he is. But at the same time, I think he'd be just fine getting back to the golf course, not having to deal with all this crap every day. Boy, I, well, you and I are in a disagreement on that one. I do not see that happening, and because I don't see it happening, I see all hell breaking loose. Riots Again, in the streets. What's that? Riots in the streets. I don't know what, but I just I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I I just feel like that it, it's just it's it's not going to be your sta- it's not going to be like your George H W Bush long letter to William Jefferson Clinton <laughs> as he comes in to you know end his one term presidency. I just don't picture that happening uh, at all. Uh, and and also by the way, um, if Joe Biden. Or I guess Bernie Sanders, you know, this thing is not over. Sanders is plus 650 now to win the nomination, whereas Biden was plus 750 10 days ago. So it can happen quickly. Uh, Whoever were to lose to Donald Trump, I still I don't know if it would be necessarily as whatever. uh, Unstable, I suppose, would be the word I would use. Um, But it still would be something. So because people had come to the realization that Donald Trump is going to be president for another four years, I think a lot of people who in their minds, in their bubbles, have thought he was not going to be president um, for, uh, you know, past one term. So uh, anyway, to answer the question, I, I, I don't know if in my career I could hold a coworker slash I guess somebody who for a period of time has worked, quote unquote, for me. Uh, in a higher place as far as the way they go about their job and their talent than Doug Vaughn. I mean, it's just that just I I don't know. He's just he's he is he is incredible and um, he's incredibly talented. But he also just does the job, and you know you can count on him to do the job, and people respect his talent and like him as a person. But when it comes to talking politics, it's just not something that. Uh, I would be interested in doing it, and I don't think he would be interested in doing it either. You know, I mean, because Doug's situation is different. You know, it goes back to the TV thing that I was talking about a little earlier. He's 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 in a different spot than I am. Um, I can talk about you know Gabby Carter's new scene and be like, yeah, what is it? nobody's going to do anything about it. They can't do anything about it. It's actually in my contract that I can say weird shit, and that's how I make my living. So you know, 
<laughs> that's not the way that it works if you got one of those TV jobs. So it's a it's a different uh, different spot. But I love I, I have been thinking about that actually for whatever reason this weekend, Pete. I was thinking about doing something with like David Hun and you know love um, love David Hun. Yeah, I just I I just you know is this is this stuff kind of you know heads down the stretch here in 2020, uh, both from the you know the presidential standpoint, but other elections. Um, to get his perspective, because I just really enjoy the conversations. I enjoy listening to the perspectives of people who, um, you know, I know they know what's actually going on and, um, you know, have an educated perspective, but might might disagree. Uh, I enjoy that. I kind of go more like on a Rogan model, which I know you're a big Rogan guy, where it's just like, okay, you know, we're going to do a bunch of conversations today, and then we'll turn them out over the next, you know, few days as opposed to just releasing one guest interview a week um and they're just topical but they're not necessarily a celebrity i guess for lack of a better term um guests so i don't know i've, I've just been I like thinking it. about you like that you like that so i don't know i've been thinking about that but again so don't take me saying no uh on doing a doug political podcast as a, as a shot at doug because it's just like i said I, if somebody i've worked i mean it's not it's not it's just he's just He's he is he is um, uh, I mean, the talent people are aware of that's that's on display. But the stuff that me and you, Pete, see as far as behind the scenes, it's yeah. just he, he's just as reliable as it gets and no um, no BS. So, you know, it just it just so happens on politics that he is very passionate <laughs> about um, conservative causes and, you know, it's like when people, I got, I remember a friend of mine. Oh, it was about a year ago, actually. A friend of mine texted me and goes, what are you going to do about Doug's Twitter feed? And I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, I was just like, I didn't, re- I just didn't respond. That was the way I handled it. But I was just like, I just want to get on the phone and go, fuck you. Why are you t- like, what makes you think, especially like we're like, we're friends. You know, we've known each other for like 25 years. Like, what are you doing <laughs> i just i mean for real i don't get it it's like if you have an issue with it contact doug if you have an issue with something the plowboy like why come to me and everybody like, making these complaints would hate the show if everyone agreed with the same things they'd right, hate it it'd be terrible be, it's just it, but, but i just for the life of me like if somebody went to like the cat and said man you know tim and whatever i don't even know what the hell it is tim talking politics let's use that as opposed to the the go-to of the porn thing <laughs> Uh, Tim talking politics, you know, that's really got to stop. I'm sure the cat would be like, yeah, well, you know, you can tweet at Tim or he gives out his emails. So you know, you can email him because that's why we would be. We'd be like, why are you why are you contacting me? I don't know. I don't I don't have the answer <laughs> to it. It's a very odd thing. I, I, I guess it's kind of passive aggressive. Well, there's you people know? that'll call the show and be like, hey, can you get them to stop saying this? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> so hold on. We're in there doing the show, and you, and you get phone calls? Oh, yeah. There's one regular caller that always likes to... Let me guess, an older man? Uh, yeah, he's an older gentleman. Yeah. And what is his uh, what is his complaint? I mean, it changes. I mean, I, I, at first, I would just be like, no, hang up. Now I kind of like to mess with them a little bit. <laughs> Is it real? Do you think it's real? I think it's real. I mean, they're not getting on the air. I mean, unless they just really need a friend, and that's me. It's bizarre. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, listen, I'm, I'm thinking, I've been thinking about it. I want to do it. Um, 
Uh, so I don't know, but but yeah, that's not that's not a direction I would I would go. I mean, and again, it's not. I mean, I just keep saying the same fucking thing over and over again. It's it's just, you know, we're, I don't know. I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's 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 it's. I just I, I obviously on the radio I don't talk politics all that often. If the discussions come up, it's it's my my lack of contribution is probably noticeable. Well, there's not enough time to really to articulate your opinion fully. That's that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing because people think, oh, you don't want to get involved with Doug, and that's not it. Right. And I also think, in a way, Doug's views are misrepresented. Doug does not have this lockstep thing with either Trump or, you know, even pre-Trump Republican talking points. He is certainly not pro-gun. Um, he is uh, pro-environment, and um, and so he's not across the board. Um, you know, it's just it's a it's a, it's. And with the time constraints, a, a lot of people don't know that because he doesn't have time. That? With the time constraints on radio, a lot of people don't know all Doug's opinions. Yeah, but I mean, just it, assume I know they have, know the, them the all. gun things definitely come up. The gun things definitely come up, but um, it's just it kind of speaks to where we are at this moment, and I don't know if it'll be different in twenty thirty. I really don't. I actually don't think things are suddenly going to get better. I don't care what happens in November. Um, like I said, I think it's going to be a hell of a month. Um, we'll see if I, we'll see if I hit on that prediction, but, uh, that it, 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 I can't be friends with you or I can't just go, okay, he thinks Trump's great. Uh, and I can still say, yeah, I think he's a great fucking guy, super talented and like the greatest coworker of all time. Like, yeah, he thinks Donald Trump's great. Who fucking cares? I think my parents do too, you know, but okay. So whatever. That's like one one thousandth of a person but at this moment I mean, it's just an amazing thing like you know what i know i know i'm sure you're like dude rap but <laughs> like the corona the corona dad thing yeah like if that would have been a i don't even know I, i'm trying to pick the right high school where i'm as middle of the road as possible and no matter what i don't feel like i can i can name a good one where it's just like it's not you know, I don't. I don't know what it would be because if I say like Francis Howard Ford Zumo, people, oh St. Charles, and if I name another private school, it's like oh private school, and if I name one in South County, be oh South County. I, I don't know what I can win with. I don't know what the most middle of because I say Parkway Central. Oh well, Parkway, Parkway, so great. I don't know what I can be, but if it weren't Villa slash Oak Hill slash Burroughs, I don't believe the story has the number of reads and comments that it has. Gangster Pete, do you agree with me? Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. I mean, and so I saw that and was like, oh. And then I get, but then some of the, like, I saw some of the comments and it's like, eat the rich, fucking rich people. I'm just like, <laughs> and, and these are the people who are on the left. And I'm like, don't you realize that that's hate speech? It's just hate speech that is actually accepted at this moment. It's still hate speech. Am I off the mark? It's fucking hate speech. No, but it's their side. So, their yeah. Side's right. So it's fucked up. It's hate speech. And it's like, now, now you can't. Well, of course, the Democratic Party wound up with two old white guys and they'll be running against another old white guy. I'm like, what? How is it like, what if it would have been, you know, in a, in a well, the Democratic Party wound up with two black guys. It's like, what the fuck are we? How do we not like how is one like these are they're still wrong just because one <laughs> is like kind of except it's wrong. It, 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 unless everything is no longer wrong. OK, but I know that's not the way that it is. Because if it would have been take your pick of something other than two old white guys, it would have been a whole issue. And I'm just 
And again, this is coming from somebody who is more on the left than anything else. And I'm looking at it. I, did you watch Bill Maher this past weekend? By the, by I James got it recorded. Gates? I haven't watched it yet. I'm telling you, like he gets labeled and I guess he is. But like there's this new sect has a negative connotation, but like this new segment of liberalism. And that's where I am. And it's kind of like turning and looking over at your left and going, who the fuck are you people? (laughs) What have you done? What are you doing? And you don't even recognize you're doing it. And you're making fun of the right for being fucking crazy. And you're crazy as fuck. And you don't even get it. You don't get like how hateful some of the shit you're saying is because it's like you're hating on the right people, as in old white men. And it's the strangest damn thing. You know, hate on people for the shit that they do and the shit that they say, not the way that they were born. I don't get this for the life. I thought that was the whole premise of liberalism. But now it's like, well, he's old and white. So fuck him. Well, we all want to aspire for the American dream. God bless the United States of America. Well, now he's made the American (laughs) dream and is a multimillionaire. So fuck him. What is going on? I don't I mean, for the life of me, I don't get it. I really don't get it. So I think what you've seen here over the last two weeks with with Biden's rise is not a, a people going, you know what? I, I thought he was a wonderful debater. It, it was it's like, shit, we got to rally behind him because otherwise we're going to we're going to lose and we can't have it. So, OK, Joe Biden will get on the train, even though we know that it, this is not necessarily the train we thought that we we're going to leave the station with. I am confused as hell. I think you will enjoy, even those of you who would consider yourselves conservative, I think you would enjoy, uh, I don't know, but that's the thing. It's like the Ricky Gervais thing at the uh, Golden Globes. Oh, what a hero of conservatism. Like, dude's liberal, but he's just calling out the bullshit of the double standards and the hypocrisy. That's what it is. I don't know. I don't know. Man, I get worked up on this thing, don't I? Yeah, it's fun. All right, Gangster Pete, I'll wrap it up. You were preaching to the choir there at the end. I know, I know. But, I mean, it's just, I I hope it, I just, I hope both these things end. It's not just, like, the the batshit right-wing stuff. There's batshit left-wing stuff. And I know, like, it's kind of like a, here, I'll jerk you off with my words. It's on both sides. Mm -hmm. Because it's not really. It's on these extremes. Eat the rich. (laughs) Fuck this guy. They're privileged. You know, and it's like, no, it was an asshole thing to do. That, that's it. You know, it would have been an asshole thing to do if it were, you know, take your pick of any other school. What do you think it wouldn't have happened at take your pick of Kirkwood or Lindbergh or something like that? It would have been an asshole thing to do. It was an asshole thing to do. Selfish assholes are not limited to $25,000 a year private schools. Okay? Fuck. Anyway, that's enough. I'm going to I'm going to go have a coronary somewhere. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, uh, thehomeloanexpert.com. Thank you to Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. I am a James Carlton client, and I recommend him to you as well. 314-961-4800 go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. And Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, Highway 270 and the Washington Elizabeth Exit. Online at landoff.com, Chevy, find new roads. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show from the homeloanexpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music 
and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.